It has been an incredibly crazy couple of weeks. There's been some some highs and uh definitely some some very low lows. For anybody who knows me well enough, close enough, knows by now, my father passed away. And uh, that's why I didn't have an episode last week. I hope, and I'm sure you all understand. I mean, 103 episodes straight, no no misses. That's pretty damn good. I think that was a pretty good run. And I think it's pretty understandable for me to have missed a week. And not only did I miss a week, but I um, I'm late a day as well. I'm I'm a week and a day late on the episode. But uh. I just needed the time to to do it again. And um, it's going to be a different kind of episode this week. We're going to do it a little differently. It's not going to be the usual run where I'm ranting and raving and telling different stories or talking about current events or, you know, giving my hot take on things. I am going to dedicate this week to my dad by highlighting his life, telling stories of me and him together and just honoring him in a way I know how by just expressing it and telling my my, my side of it. And, and you know, my the way I recollect him and the way I see him and the way I'll remember him. Um, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who has reached out to, uh, give their condolences. It means a lot. It really does. Um, sometimes that can be overwhelming, you know, cause this isn't, this is unfortunately not the first tragedy that I've been through and there, there it's interesting because there there does come a point where you're almost tired of hearing the I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, like I wish there was more, you know, I wish I could do more to help or or make you feel better kind of thing. That's not to take away from from the gravity and the effect of it. It definitely means so much for people to reach out and just so you know they're there and, and that you're in their thoughts. But and I mean this in the in the least uh, arrogant way or, or the least like, uh, ungrateful way. It it can get to be a lot sometimes when you're trying to deal with things and deal with everything already and to just constantly kind of be reminded of it, I think is the part that gets to be a lot. Um, I'm weird with death. I, I don't show emotion very openly like trust me i've been overwhelmed with emotion these last few weeks it's been a weird weird deal and it always is with death um so if you i mean i i think it's it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of times i feel like i'm expected to act a certain way or present myself a certain way emotionally and that I sometimes feel like I don't live up to that expectation of what people want me to be like people want me to be broken down and to be um just an emotional distressed person and trust me I've had my moments like I've 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 let the emotions out I've sat and thought and and had my emotions I I tend I just I guess I tend to not show them as much or display and and sometimes they break out and that's fine too. I it's not me trying to, you know, act tough or anything like that. I do think it is important to kind of put on that brave face or to you know to maintain a level of of um 
level-headedness, I guess, in the face of, like, when you're talking to people, when you're, when you're around people, and I've never really been, like, a overly emotional person, at least, at least, uh, when it comes to public, or, um, just anybody else, so, that, that was kind of something I, I realized in this, was just, it, again, feeling like I need to react a certain way for other people. Um, another thing that I will say is I'm, I'm fully aware of the inevitability of death and that we all go through it. So in some ways I've, I've kind of plan like, especially with your parents, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost expected that you're going to have to bury your parents one day. So I've ran scenarios through my head several times of that, not in a gruesome grizz, you know, like not in a weird way, but like all my family members, I've thought about like, what would I, like, how would I deal with that? How would like, what would my life be like in that situation? And you can never prepare yourself, really. I mean, it's still always shocking. It's still always going to take you back. And, um, but it's, it's like that might be part of it. It it could be part of the fact that I truly believe that he led a fulfilled life. And for that reason, I'm not like, I'm trying to word this correctly because that's word is everything. Um, I think he lived a life fulfilled. So I'm not like, I don't feel like he, he's going to miss anything. That's, that's the wrong way to put it. You know what I mean? Like, of course he'll miss things. Of course he's going to, he'll be missed and he'll miss all kinds of things, but he did so much. And, and through this episode, I'm going to explain that. I'm going to show you that he did it all and he, and he had fun doing it. And, and I love that. I love that he was able to do that because think about so many people don't live life. They don't, they don't go out. They don't experience life. They don't experience the world and get to do the things they love. And some people die really young and they don't ever get the chance to do it. So for those reasons, I find solace in in uh, knowing that he did get to do that. Um, he he passed away in a motorcycle accident. That man, when I got the call, right before I got that call, like I somebody was like, "Hey, you need to call." Terry, um, cousin, friend of ours. And, uh, right away I knew, I knew something was wrong. Like either he was hurt and in an accident, maybe not dead, but death was definitely one of the options in my head. Sure enough, worst case scenario, I find out. And he dealt with so many health issues, man. He had, I think one or two strokes heart attack, diabetes. He was just getting over a stint with cancer. And, and, and and I, and you know, that's definitely part of why I had mentally kind of prepared myself for his departure. Any like that could happen any time because there were so many times that I had to think like that. And then there was, you know, like I said, he was just dealing with his cancer stuff and he was always so, you know, kind of bleak about that stuff. He was, he was always certain that this is my end. This is going to be it for me. This is it. You know, I heard that for the last three years about different things. So I had already had to kind of have that conversation to myself. And, um, of all the things that's not ever what I would have imagined, even though motorcycle is a very, Especially in in my family, like uh, at least within my circles, I know several people 
who have died riding motorcycles. Which, unfortunately, for my my dad, one of my dad's biggest dreams was to have me ride a motorcycle side by side with him in Sturgis. And unfortunately, that's something that we won't get to do, not only because he's no longer with us, but because I will never ride a motorcycle. I already was on the fence about it. I already I already didn't really have that in me to want to do it. I never had that like drive to hop on the bike. It was never something that I just like felt the need to want to do, the need or want to do. And now I'm definitely not going to. That was that was definitely the last straw in my hat for the motorcycle thing. But um like I said, I guess it it shouldn't surprise me that that's how it happened because like I said, I mean motor vehicle accidents are are fairly common form of death anyway, and when you add a motorcycle to the mix, your fatality rate increases pretty dramatically. But he'd been doing it for so long that it's, it seemed like, you know, he second nature. He was he was always going to be safe on the on the bike or at least safe enough. So that was definitely a shock to find out that that's how it happened. And um yeah, so that you know the other thing too. I, I'll 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 say this too. It's really hard when when you're like the immediate family, or you're like the um, the heir apparent. I suppose would be the word to say. You know, like I'm the next. I'm I'm his his only real like he wasn't married. I'm his only kid, you know, so I'm the only person who can deal with all of the legality stuff, you know? Um, I, so, and, and that, that really sucks that like in the middle of trying to grieve and process what's just happened, this traumatic event that's just taken place, you're also being bombarded with legality issues and setting up funeral services and um you know things like that also i meant to mention this right away in the very beginning thank you to anybody and everybody who has donated money to help with the cost of funeral services you have absolutely no idea what a relief that has been on me because the like the overwhelming stress of having to not only deal with the loss of my father but um but the the all the legal stuff you know you got bank accounts dealing with landlords dealing with uh electric company and and utility companies and and then on top of and and vehicles and and then having to um having to do all the all the service plannings and all that stuff it's like you don't have time to process it you know or or you try to process it and then you got all this other stuff weighing you down and it's just boom 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 so two huge thanks number 1 to all the people who donated and to all the people who have supported in that effort such a huge appreciation you have no idea the 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 help that that has that it, that has given me the other big shout out i want to give is to my uncle mike which is my my dad's brother f- for his tremendous help in dealing with a lot of the other other legal stuff <clears throat> with um with the bank accounts and uh, and with the handling of his belongings, things of that nature. Um, yeah, it it was it's just a lot to take on at once, and and it really helps to have people, um, giving you a helping hand in a situation like this. So, I just wanted to make sure those 
thank yous went out and they were uh, put out there. So, um, I am going. Yeah, so I'm just gonna get on with it and and tell you about my dad stories, um, just things of that nature. Okay, and this this episode is an open love letter to my dad and just in his memory. Um, my dad obviously loved motorcycles. He lo- he was a, he was a riot. He rode motorcycles. He, he was in the road dogs biker club. He had tremendous love for all of his club brothers. He had to uh, bury a few of them fairly recently. The club has had a lot of members pass in the last few years. And I know those were really hard on him. He dealt with those not easily, much like a family member, because they were just that, brothers. And... um And it was a it was an absolutely huge part of his life. Every aspect of it. Um, one of the biggest, of course, being the toy run. The toy run was something he was so proud of. Not only his the part he played in organizing it and just any little thing that he did to help make that thing operate. But just being involved in it, just don't you know, donating his time, donating his money, donating whatever it was that he could do to help kids in need, because more than just more than helping, he loved kids. There's so many pictures of him with with children and just a huge smile on his face, like. He absolutely loved kids, and for him to help kids was such a huge thing for him. And I know that that's probably on top of his proudest accomplishments in life, was being able to be a part of that and a big part of that on on top of that. So I know he would want to be remembered very highly for that. He loved uh, music. You know, we went to concerts, so many concerts, and um, he loved movies. He was a big movie guy. God, he had, how many movies did he have? Jesus. He loved cinema. Uh, Favorite band, The Grateful Dead. He absolutely loved The Grateful Dead, but he loved just so much music. Family, man. He loved family. He was such, you know, and I don't know how much he, uh, how how much truth there is to this, but like every town we went to, there was always a cousin in this town. There was always a brother in this town, of this and of that. You know, like everybody's, if you're a close enough friend, you're family to him. And he really cherished family and friends. That that was that was almost everything to him. His dogs loved his dogs. The most ill-tempered, ill-behaved dogs. I, I, ill-tempered is not the word. Ill-behaved. They were so bad, and um, they are in a in a good home now, which I'm happy for. And just god but he loved those dogs he he bred those dogs i think the 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 one dog was like third or fourth generation and um he just loved life man he loved experiencing life i couldn't tell you the amount of things he did he he could tell a story like nobody else, you name it. And in in some aspects, he was a bit of a story topper where like, you know, if you said something like, oh, psh, sit down, I got one for you. And then just top your story right there, you know? And 
in some cases, it's easy for me to think that a lot of those stories could have been at least halfway embellished. But even if they were halfway embellished, they were still an amazing story. And I believe that he met a lot of really interesting people, musicians, athletes, actors, things of that nature. I believe him. Why, you know, I have no reason to not to. Some of the wild antics he he would have with the brothers or with uh, just in Sturgis. He went deep sea fishing in the Pacific. He, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's told me an absurd amount of absurd stories that my memory, of course, is too shitty to remember. But... You know, there were always fantastical stories that, like I said, even if they were halfway true, were still pretty fantastical. The, uh, I ha- I mean, I was fortunate enough to have him on an episode of the podcast, which he told many stories, told a lot about the family. Unfortunately, I do wish I was a little bit better at the podcasting at the time. I think we could have had a better conversation, and I'm actually, I'm obviously very upset that we didn't get to do it again. I would have loved to have him on several times, get way more stories that I can go back and listen to. I've gone back and listened to that episode, and I'm glad I at least have that. I have, you know, recording of me and him having a conversation. I love that, actually. That's one thing I really do appreciate about having this podcast is I can go back and listen to conversations. Um, yeah, he was just a lover of life, and he lived it so to the fullest and to the way that he wanted. He did it his way. You know, if you were around, you knew when he was around. The... um. Yeah, party, man. Just the guy could party. Like, for an old guy? Jesus. I don't know how he did it. Loved his Captain and Coke. Loved Captain Coke. And put him down like no other. Um, Another unfortunate thing that I am... Uh, I'm really upset that I wasn't able to give to him were grandchildren. Because he bugged me about that all the time. He wanted grandkids so bad. And to an effect, he did have several. You know, everyone... He he was Uncle Tim or Papa Tim or whatever to so many people, but I know he wanted blood grandkids. And um, I, I am sorry that I wasn't able to give that to him. But it just wasn't my time to be the dad. Um... Let me tell you a few stories from me and him. So the the best one I can t- I can tell you is uh man we went w- one of the best ones. There's so many. There's a few really good ones that I'll tell you. But um we'll start with this one. Speaking of drinking anyway, I was uh me him Mac and Savannah who you know they've both been on the podcast. My friend Mac and and his wife Savannah we uh went on a trip to Denver. This was just after my Uncle Don had passed. We were going to see the Broncos and the Chargers. Chargers were Don's team. And during this weekend, it was Halloween weekend. So we were like, well, fuck it. We're in Denver. Let's let's get uh, costumes. Let's, let's go to some... We'll, we'll find a party downtown or something like that. And we'll just go have a good time. Because the 30th was a Saturday because I don't think it was directly on Halloween that we went out because I think Halloween no sorry the 30th was a month the the 31st was a Monday that was Halloween Halloween was on a Monday so we went out the 29th for Halloween got our costumes up he just he literally just was himself he he was a, a biker nobody would have ever known that he wasn't actually a biker but that's what he went as and um we we ended up going to this awesome party in this hotel 
downtown Denver. Best party I've ever been to. And he ranted and raved about that party all the time. He Every time it would get brought up, oh man, that was just the absolute best time, he would say. And uh, it was. It truly was. It was three floors of this hotel. All these convention rooms had like music in them, DJs. One had a live band. It was all open bar. I think it was like 60 or 70 bucks a ticket to get in. But it was open bar. So we're just slamming booze, right? And I was pretty new to drinking at the time. I I had maybe been drinking a few, six months to a year, okay? Up to this point. Six months to a year. Eh, easily a year. Easily a year. And uh, clearly wasn't, you know, a seasoned veteran quite like my father. But it was, you know, we're pound. I'm pounding. Uh, what what was I drinking? Screwball or screwdrivers? Screwdrivers. He was drinking, of course, Captain and Coke or rum and Coke. I don't remember if they were probably just well drinks. And uh, we just got shitty drunk that night. And the next day, I'm like, I feel fine. Like, I'm shocked, you know? But it's, you know, I'm still, I was young at the time. And hangovers weren't quite what they are now. And he was just, he was just like, Jesus. He even was saying like, oh, man, I feel like such shit. I don't think I'm going to drink at all today. Literally an hour later, downing. A Bloody Mary. And the next day we went to the football game. It was... Oh, before I leave the Halloween story, I just got to say there were some pretty awesome moments just hanging out on the balcony with the snow falling. It was a pretty awesome moment just uh, to be out there and to have done that. Also, I think that might have been the very first time I ever drank with him. Could be wrong. But I will go on record as just saying that that was the first time I ever drank with him. Definitely the first time I partied like that with him. So you got that there. Anyway, next game's the fo- or next day is the football game. We go to the game. Um, he has a few drinks there. I didn't because I didn't want to get super shitty again. After the game, which we won, by the way, we went downtown, met up with my cousin Gabriel, and Max, Savannah, and my dad... They're ready to call it a night. But I'm like, nah, man, I got a party with Gabriel. So I hung out late. They all went back to the hotel. I hung out late with Gabriel, got completely shit-faced again. And by the way, I'm just being this cocky asshole thinking like because I had one full night of drinking that I'm invincible and like I'm this, you know, I got the Craig jeans. I'm, I'm just a... A stud drinker, apparently. That's uh, that's my mentality. Well, I get back to the hotel around, you know, 1.30, 2.00 a.m. And my dad's still up. Or at least he probably woke up when I got there. I'm laying in bed, and he's just like, how, how was it tonight? Did you have fun? Bed just starts spinning. So I, uh, I just... Roll out of bed, walk on into the bathroom, and just just viciously, violently throwing up all over. Well, not all over, but in the toilet. And I'm, you know, just the worst, the worst, the worst feeling that you could possibly have, right? You know. And I just hear in the in the from the other room. Ah, him just laughing and being like, so you thought you could hang with the real Craigs, didn't you? And, uh, yeah. So the very next, yeah, he was just laughing at me throwing up because I got, I got all cocky and clearly shouldn't have. And then I, uh, the next day laid fetal position in the back seat of my own car while Mac had to drive us back home. Because we left the next day. And I that was easily the worst hangover I've ever had. 
So that was a fun, you know, that was a real fun time we had. Sturgis, you know, I'll never forget just hanging out with him in downtown Sturgis. One thing that I'm so glad that I finally did, you know, it was it was definitely on the table for a very long time. Never, I never accepted that invite. And finally, I was like, you know what, let's go. And... If it's not obvious by now, the biker culture has never really been the same with me. I it's never like it's never gelled the same with me as it did for him. You know, that was always his dream was for me to color up and be with the club, but like that's just not me. That's just not who I am. I have nothing against it. It's just not my lifestyle. It's just not who I am. And that's fine. But it, I think you know, it definitely he always wanted that. So I'm glad that I at least went and experienced it like the the mecca of biker culture with him. Twice. I got to do it twice. I could have done it three times, but wasn't able to there in the middle. Really wish I had now, of course, always in hindsight. We were planning on going this year, and I probably still will. But... um yeah, so very glad I got to experience that. I guess there's no real like particular story I can give you from Sturgis. Seeing bands going to concerts, you know, we went to a few shows there, and that was fun. Riding around, got to, you know, I rode I rode bitch on the bike with him, which was somewhat emasculating and felt not really right. But the fun, you know, it was it is kind of funny. Yeah, it's my dad. I was a I was a 26 year old man, 25 26 year old man. So it did feel a little weird still. I had a full beard. So I, you know, I don't know. I felt uh like I said, it felt kind of weird. But then and sure sure shit some fucking you know, Shlomo had to say some smart ass remark about me riding on the back of my dad's bike and he goes he goes, "Huh? Excuse me?" Cause this is my son. He goes, "Ain't nothing gay about this. This is my this is my son, and I'm we're having fun down here in Sturgis." And I just remember that, like him being like, you know, pretty over not not really defensive, but like putting this guy in his place. He's like, "Dude, I'm here having fun with my son. Like, fuck you. The only fag here is you." I think is what he said. <laughs> his words, not mine, but it it was <laughs> it was pretty pretty something he would say. Um, let me think here. I'm trying to think younger. I I remember staying with him for a little while. He lived in Wyoming, and I remember staying down there for a little while. I don't exactly remember too much. Like, there's always these little details, but none of them are very like worth telling. But I do remember being there. I remember little things. I remember watching Dragon Ball Z late every night because it was on Toonami and they had cable. So I would stay up late and watch Dragon Ball Z. I remember that trip. He cracked a beer. This is actually kind of funny. He cracked a beer. Let me sip. He's like, go ahead and sip the foam off that. So I technically had my first drink with my dad then. And I, I got, I must've been like maybe four, five, something like that. I sipped the foam off. Sure enough, it was disgusting. And if if my memory serves me correctly, it was a Coors Banquet. That's what he gave me. But um, you know, not not a not a ton of memories from the childhood. There are there are a few. You know, there there there's there's they're in there. Um, but I guess that's where I'll I'll kind of transition that into. I'll tell you a little bit about our relationship more. So, like I said, there's there's some early memories. I do I do have a few of them, and and especially looking back on pictures, I specifically remember seeing. You know, th- there's a lot of ones that I kind of forgot about. Like he was at my, um, what's it called? 
uh, honor choir recital. Like, he, he showed up to things like that. Now, he wasn't at all of them. He wasn't at all, at all the, you know, the plays and the, and the uh, sporting events when I played basketball and things like that. But he showed up to more than I gave him credit for. And I, I can still be appreciative of that. Um, here's some, uh, also real quick, going through pictures, uh, I, I had to go through thousands, literally thousands of pictures that he had trying to find pictures of him for the service. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, there were more pictures of tits than there were of him. Just like candid Pictures of chicks flashing the camera. You know, I'm sure mostly at Sturgis and things like that. But I was like, Jesus. Like, I, there's one way. Here, here's one very clear way to tell that I'm his son. I definitely got my horniness from him. That guy was a horn dog. Like, and anybody listening to this who knows him knows exactly what I'm talking about and is not shocked by that statement. Oh, he was just all about women and the female figure. And uh and 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 I remember running by all those pictures and I think I just kept thinking to myself, "God, dad, what a fucking perv, dude." Like just hanging on to these photos. And then I had to just stop and look myself in the mirror and think, is that any different than all the nudes that I have saved on my phone? No, it's not. Like father, like son. So I claimed that from him. <laughs> and, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I might not be as, like, boisterous about it but uh i definitely got that from him anyway i just thought that was funny but uh anyway so like i said i i I do have those young memories speaking of another young memory i have pretty sure the first titties i ever saw were in his workshop because all around the walls were just like cutouts of playboys and and like calendars and things like that and I specifically specifically remember seeing them on the wall and be like, uh-huh, yep, I like that. I don't know what it is, but I like it. So, and that was, I had to have been six, seven, eight, somewhere somewhere in that general area. Yeah. Um, there's this middle part of my life that he was not present for. Not because he, well, physically because he couldn't be. It was physically because he could not be. Now, you know, is he to blame for that? Yeah, a little bit. You know, he there. There's reasons he wasn't able to. Um, he spent, I believe, eight years in prison, and. Unfortunately, for timing's sake, they were eight really important years of my life. They were, you know, growing years. My adolescent teenage years where I could have really used a father. You know, like I I really needed that. I didn't know I didn't know it at the time, you know, I didn't really realize how much I needed it or, you know, any kid, any kid, any young man, any young growing man needs a father figure in their life. And, uh, you know, even when he got out, I didn't really see him a lot. You know, he, he every now and again, every now and again, I'd see him, but not as often as I probably would have liked or should have. And, uh, you know, we both carry blame in that. You know, I, I'm, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not, not guilty either. 
in in my efforts to trying to communicate with him or or be with him. So, um, yeah, it's just th- those were hard, and fortunately, during those times, I did have somebody step in as a father figure, and it was my uncle Don. And I remember saying at Uncle Don's funeral, right there, stood up. My dad was sitting right next to me. And I vocally stated that. I said, Uncle Don was like a father to me. Because he was. Like, none of that is not true. It's still, you know, as as hard as it was for him to hear that. And I know it was. He told me straight up. He said, you know, that really kind of hurt my feelings. And at that time, you know, I didn't care because it was the truth. And it still is the truth. I do care that it hurt his feelings, but it needed to be said because it's the truth, you know? It's the truth. And I didn't really realize it until recently that I held a lot of resentment for him not being around for so many years. And I think I held that against him a lot longer than I should have. But it's hard when you're a kid. You know, it's hard when you're young and you don't really know. Right? You know? Like, I, who am I to tell a child how, the, how they're supposed to feel? You know? Of course, I'll live with a little bit of regret in that manner, but... I've always said, don't regret your former self. I can't go back to where I was in my mindset, in my emotions at that time. So I don't know, you know, I can't say I didn't feel, you know, justified in those feelings. But it's true. You know, I I really did. I held a lot of resentment for, for a lot of that for a long time. And of course, there was resentment for the fact that, you know, he wasn't around sometimes when he could have been. And like I said, some of that probably falls on me because of the because I was resentful. And I think I showed that. And I think he knew that. You know? So who could blame him for not wanting to be around if I didn't want him around for some of those times? Because I've I, I always had it in my head that I was like, you know, you weren't around when I needed you, so why do I need you now? That was always my like mindset. And after Uncle Don died, after I made that statement, we went on that trip. We went to Denver. And at the time, it felt like a really forced effort by him to want to be in my life. But I realize now, and I, I've this isn't something I'm just now realizing. I've known this for, you know, some time now, but it took me a little while to realize that that was the moment when he decided he was going to be more actively involved in my life and trying to show me what he's, you know, I, I, I don't one bit think that he ever once didn't love me or that he ever once didn't care about me that I know for a fact my whole life he's felt that way. But I never really felt like I was shown that. And then he, you know, it was that moment that he was like, I'm going to show him. And he did. And he succeeded in that. You know, the relationship probably was never going to be what it always should have been or could have been, but it was better than it was. It was a lot better also than it could have been or, or, you know, than it could have been. It was definitely better in the end than, than what it had been. And I'm happy for that. I'm very happy that I, that I don't have to live with the regret of not getting that. Or not being able to do that. Because I forgave him. 
I forgave him for the decisions he made that ended up, you know, I don't think he ever wanted to leave me. I don't ever think he wanted to not be in my life, but he was, you know, based on the, some poor decisions he made. Yeah. He, he, he is to take some blame for that, but I don't hold it against him and I forgive him. Um, Nobody has shown me, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but he showed me more support than anything I could have ever asked for. He supported all my bands I'd ever been in, any music endeavor I ever tried for. He's one of the biggest supporters of my of my current band, of every band I've ever been in. He was at every show, taking pictures, raising the fist, hyping us up. He was a huge hype man, booking us gigs. He he helped get us our first show. I'm he didn't miss a single show we had. I have people who haven't even been to one. Close people. He su- he supported this podcast. Every episode I shared, he would he was he was the only person I could ever I could fully guarantee was going to share that episode and help spread the word. Because he supported me. Because you know, I knew if I ever needed something, I could ask him. I didn't always, but I knew I could because he showed me that he supports me in anything that I, you know, honestly, like I, I never really would have needed anything physical, you know, as far as like physical help or anything like that, but emotional support, dude, the guy was as solid as can be. Always, I always knew I had somebody in my corner. For, you know, everything, every little crazy adventure I wanted to do, every little crazy, you know, project always had his full support when some parents wouldn't, you know, and I appreciate that. And I'm really going to miss having that in my corner. Um... Yeah, the uh, yeah, that was that that was pretty. And uh, the best thing anybody's ever, you know, I, I already knew this, but everybody w- was telling me how proud he was of me. And I know, I knew that, I always knew that, but it meant a lot to know that. And. uh it's good to know that you have people like that in your life, supporting you, being proud of you. And yeah, I'm going to miss that a lot. Um, his service was very good. I was extreme. I was not shocked by the turnout. There was a lot of people there because he knew a lot of people and loved a lot of people and a lot of people loved him. And I was really happy to see the turnout at the service. Um, and, and John, thank you to John doll and dolls funeral home for helping us put everything together. They did a great job giving him the right send off. And, um, I'm going to leave this I'm going to end end this episode by giving you some you know I always like to I always like to close episodes with positive messages and uh motivational messages things like that and we're going to take we're going to take a chapter out of my dad's book and I'm going to I'm going to give you the lessons that I learned from him 
because they're pretty, you know, even though I didn't learn necessarily some of the lessons that you would like to learn from your father, I still learned some lessons. He always told me, he told me so often, don't ever be like me. Don't ever be like me. Please, God, don't ever be like me. And I knew what he meant. I knew what he was talking about when he said those things. But I will be like him in some ways. Most importantly, just living life. You got to go live life. Do it your way. Do it to the beat of your own drum. And, you know, here's... This is a really big lesson, actually, that I'm gonna that I'll that I'll share with you that I think is very important and a very very huge thing to take from this from my father from 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 my experience from his experience that I think everybody can like not everybody but some people really need to to take if you're a parent if you have kids. Or let's, I mean, if, if you're a brother or a sister or whatever kind of role model, whatever kind of a role model situation you might be in, it's never too late to be involved in people's lives. It's never too late, you know, if you burn a bridge with a friend if you, you know, if you made some poor decisions and weren't around your family, your your mother, your father, your kids, whatever it is, whatever relationship you may have that has been strained, it's never too late to fix it. You can always try. And even if that person isn't receptive to your trying, I think at some point they'll at least appreciate it. And even making the effort alone is a step in the right direction. And you, and you can't always expect people to just, you know, hell, it took me years. But you gotta try. You gotta at least try. And take it from me. It's never too late for forgiveness. And that's very important too. Um and then the, the biggest lesson that I'll I'll leave you with is like I said, just live your life. Live Full throttle. You know? Just. He. You know what? He lived. His life. The way I've preached. That you should live your life. On this podcast for. So long. He's done that. He did all the things he wanted to do. Anything he wanted, he went and did it. He high octane, baby, you know? Like drugs, sex, and rock and roll, like he literally embodied that. Not all those things were, you know, necessarily good, but he had a hell of a time doing it. And he had a lot of stories. And he could tell a story. And guess what? You don't become a storyteller. Unless you make stories. You gotta you gotta be involved in things that are worth telling. So go be a storyteller. Go make yourself a storyteller. That's that's my you know advice to you. And also, one more thing I guess I will say too, on behalf of my father. Be charitable. Be selfless. Don't always think of yourself. Think of others. 
do unto others. And if you have a balance of those things, I think you can live a pretty fulfilled life, just like I think my dad did. And uh, that's what I'm going to leave you with. Okay? Um, no outro. I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna have a little... We'll leave it with some... A little tribute for my dad. And uh, I want you guys to really think about those those things. And, uh, you know, maybe do me a favor and think about the people closest to you and the people that you love. And it might be, it might be a good idea to give them a call or give them a hug. Tell them you love them because you just never know when is going to be the last time you see them or the last day. Keep it in mind. And remember, life is fragile. Life is precious. And life's a garden. Dig it. I love you, Dad. Mm-hmm.